Welcome to this week's episode of Eye of the Swarm, Season 4, Episode 7, your deep dive into anything and any... Anything and everything. Anything and anything. Whatever you want to say. It's all, it's all the same. Anything, everything, and... And yes. Sometimes nothing. Sometimes nothing. On our side of it. Regarding Yellow Jacket yeah. Athletics with our production engineer, Adam Demuth, the big sound, Matt Johnson. I am John Garver. And, uh, I, you know, question for you. Okay. How many... I'll even go just as I've been in this position. Okay. How many sporting events do you think I've seen live? You? Yes. Oh, man. Uh, since I've known you are all time. Since I started my position that I'm oh. currently in on June 1st, 2010. Um, boy, that's a big question. I'm going to go ahead and say between 1,000 and 1,300. Pretty good guess. Okay. I don't know the number. Okay. <laughs> the reason I'm asking or saying that is I'm setting the table for last Friday. Okay. I had a first. What? Okay. Working our home volleyball match on Friday, it was the first time that I had a game official say to me, you do not have your scorer's table properly aligned. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to laugh at and, that, but I just... And so I I kind of, you know, give the confused dog look. Okay. And they say, it needs to be rearranged. I don't like where you have your people. This was a game official? Yes. And so I had to, because they said, for proper flow of the game, I need these two people here. I need this person here. I need this person over here. And they rearranged how we have our scores table. And I said, you know, in my 13 years, you are the first official I've ever had who said, the way we do this is a problem. I wasn't thrilled about it because it's only about 10 minutes before the game is starting. Right, yeah. And so we move everybody around to accommodate. Then we were told that we were not using an official NCAA score sheet and that our score sheets are invalid because there's no place for the assistant scorer to be entered on that sheet. Okay. I'm using the official score sheet that the NCAA provides us. Right. Yep. It's never been on there. Then, and, and I was told, well, you should look for the ones that actually have that on there. Okay. Then <laughs> we were told during the match that the way we track libero is incorrect and that we don't properly mark the sheet. We were told, I mean, in the end, we were told about six different things okay. that we, we've been doing incorrectly for 13 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. It, it, it had Well, our, geez, John, get on top of it. I know. And I got a table full of students there who immediately get nervous then. Oh, well, yes. You know, because these are student positions. And they, they get nervous that they're doing something wrong. Right. And whatnot. And... I'm trying to help put the fire out going, it's okay. Right, yeah. You know, this is the first time in 13 years that we've ever had anyone question anything like this that we do. Was this a new official? I had had not had her before. Okay. Um, So I I don't know if if they're new or or just the first time here or what. Okay. So it made for a very tense game. Okay. Fast forward to Saturday. And we had a different official, and this one comes in, introduces himself to everybody at the scorer's table, high-fives everybody before the match, does knuckle bumps afterward, sings the songs that we're playing, tells jokes with the students that are working there. And I had to pull him aside after the match and just say, thanks for doing that because the official we had last night was very hard on the table. Okay. And he just goes, I don't know why. Your people are great. They're on top of everything. You play good music. You laugh at my stupid jokes. It's a fun place to do a game. Yeah, I feel like for the most part, the volleyball officials are pretty. Amicable. So then it it, it go, you know, why, why take yourself so seriously? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but at any rate, that I just I, I thought it was interesting that I had a first. Well, at the, at this point in my career, I never expected to be told 
all of those things in right. one match. There are certain people in the world who just love being in your face and having power and trying to tell you that's what, it, what you're doing wrong And that's at what all it times. felt like. Yeah. That's what it like, felt like with the way just, they were hovering over the table and pointing out every single thing that these students right. were doing. Yeah. And that's sort of, I think, where she was going with that, to be honest with you. I've... I obviously don't know as much about the table as you do, not even close. But I've never, in all the games that I've done or that I've attended, I've never seen the officials really give you guys a hard time about anything. No. You know, about, especially pre-match. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's it's one thing if something gets messed up during the match and, yeah, okay, that wasn't great. That stuff happens. Yeah, exactly. You know, That tech- wasn't great, but we'll move on. But to actually rearrange the whole table, mm-hmm. that's... Never had that happen before. That's a power trip. Yep. Never That's had, all that never had That's that just happen a straight-up power and trip. And I was told it was a flow of the game thing because then they have to walk along the table to talk to – they don't want to have to walk away from the center of the court to talk to whoever's keeping the game sheet, whoever's keeping or tracking libero. Right, yeah, yeah. And so that's why they wanted them at the middle of the table. Plus they have okay. to be next to the scoreboard. Right, okay. And so I'm, I'm – I, I looked in the rule book. I do not see anything about saying that they have to be next to the scoreboard. But I have a feeling that's her saying I don't want to have to walk up and down. It could be. Yeah. Could very well be. That's basically you know? what it is. She didn't want to have to, you know, basically walk. But it was fascinating. <laughs> it was fascinating. Yeah. A fascinating first for this guy, that's for sure. So. Well, but that's you're when you antagonize the homeschool like that, it just it sets a bad vibe. And No, it does. And it, it Was she a younger official or was she older? She was a little older. Okay. You know, but I just, but it put the students on edge. Yeah. And that was the. Well, I wonder how often she does that. And that was the she rearranges because the whole it, table. it put the students on edge a little bit about right. not yeah. being able to make a mistake. Right. Yeah. You know, and so that was kind of where it, it got to me a little bit. Well, this Because is... I, I didn't want, the, the students I had working the, the match last Friday. Right. They're experienced. Was she pleasant about it, or was she just very like direct? And... She was very direct. Okay, she was very direct. Um, but the students I had working, they they have experience. They have all done their jobs before. They all know what they are doing and what they are supposed to do. Yeah, I was about to say. I... And having them on edge was that's interesting. Unpleasant. It was. It was. Yeah, and that... but we got the win. Yeah, well, I mean, we yeah we. Slept and that's that really that's... all that you know. And at the end, the the students did well, and so. Right. You know, I, I guess it is what it is at this point, but that was a first. It just feels like it's unnecessary. You know, there was no reason for her to go that route. Right. You know, I mean, no, I. from what I've seen, you guys follow pretty much to the letter of the law every time. We try to. We and try I, to. We I do just, our best to. I don't understand people like that, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, she she clearly wanted to establish that she was in charge. Yeah. Now, she was running the show. She wasn't even the up official. <laughs> you know, and that's probably, you know, I mean, was the up official okay? Yeah, he was fine. Okay. You know, and because he's actually the one that's really calling the match. But, you know, maybe she that might be just a thing with her. I don't know. It's really annoying, and it's probably unnecessary, but right. that's just how it is. You know, so. But like I said, at any rate, we got the win. Yep, that's what matters, and uh, another week and more W's for these false yeah. sports teams, man. Yeah, we let's got talk our, about it. We got our uh, second uh, conference championship in the books as well mm-hmm. for 2022. So congratulations, or 2022-23. Correct. I should clarify. Women's soccer had a big week for uh, women's soccer. A lot happened in two games. Lots happened in those two matches. Yeah, but uh, we'll go through it here quickly. Overall, women's soccer now 11, three and four on the season. 11, 0 and one the UMAC. And they won two games last week to clinch their second straight UMAC regular season crown. The Yellow Jackets defeated North Central 5-0 on Friday at Elliott Park in downtown Minneapolis before downing Northwestern 4-1 on Saturday at Reynolds Field in St. Paul. With the win against the Eagles on Saturday, the Yellow Jackets took a seven-point lead in the standings with just two to play and therefore, like I said, uh, clinched their second straight UMAC regular season title. Also gave the Yellow Jackets the number one seed for the forthcoming UMAC tournament, which begins on November 2nd. But uh, we'll go into that game a little bit more in a second here. Against the Rams, though, some other history was made for the Yellow Jackets. UWS scored three of their five goals in that 5 nothing win in the second half. It was uh, Nia Wilson was the story of the game, John. She opened the scoring at 14-50, netting her 35th career goal to break the school record for goal scoring she shared with Anna Bratley. Heading into the weekend, Wilson added her second of the game at 85-50. 
Uh, Yellow Jackets also got goals from Emma Fornengo, Bryn Crystal, and Maya Holmquist. Jackets held a 50-3 edge in total shots. Quinn Clark got the starting goal and made two saves to get the shutout. Congratulations to Nia Wilson on that one. We've been waiting for a while on that one. And I we was have been waiting for a while. To see her actually get the record. Um, has not been a season, I think, that went to plan necessarily for Nia Wilson. Uh, you know, she had some injury issues earlier in the year. Didn't score as many goals as we thought she might. She still has eight goals and six assists. It's not like she hasn't scored goals this Yeah, year. no, she – Yeah, but – I know, mean, because – but she didn't come out of the gate scoring. Right. But nobody on the team did. Right. There and weren't a lot of goals scored in those first handful no, of matches. Yeah, exactly. And there's been some bumps in the road. Like I said, she was injured for a bit, missed, uh, I think, three or four games there. Right. Midseason with the injury. She's back now almost at full strength. She's either almost at full strength or at full strength because she's playing really well right now. But congratulations to her. Uh, and, of course, she's only a junior, and she's got actually two years of eligibility left if, if she wants to the use COVID them. year, yeah. Yeah, so – Junior this year, she still has a couple games, obviously, in this season. She's got all of her senior season. Then she's got that COVID year she can use if she wants. So it'll be interesting to see how far she takes that record now that she's the all-time leading goal scorer. She had another one against the Eagles on Saturday. Opened up the scoring as well in that one, that 4-1 to win. Now the uh, game opening goal at 16-37 before the Jackets got goals, two of them from Cameron Hill at 41-15 and 68-51. She now has 11 goals as the freshman from Duluth, so. She's having a really, really good year. It's a really nice rookie year. Yeah, it is. And Lindry Shendall also scored at 64-53. UWS outshot the Eagles 11-9. For the contest, Jenna Lang made three saves in goal for the L Jackets. Wilson was also named UMAC Offensive Player of the Week. So a bunch of stuff happened for women's soccer. Won the conference crown, second straight. All good stuff, though. Yep. Nia Wilson, all-time leading scorer. Now she's also a UMAC Offensive Player of the Week, so... Good week altogether. Very for good women. week for the female kickball team. Yep, and also a good week for the men, for that matter. Yes, indeed. Um, for a couple of reasons, we'll talk about that here as we go along. Men's soccer now 12-3-2 overall, 9-1-2 in the UMAC. Won two games last week to take over first place in the UMAC. We'll talk about why that happened in just a moment here. Um, they defeated North Central 6-0 on Friday at Elliott Park in Minneapolis before shutting out Northwestern 4 nothing on Saturday. Both uh, those that, that game, excuse me, was played at Reynolds Field in St. Paul against the Rams on Friday. The Jackets scored four of their six goals in the second half. Jake Kidd scored goals at 40-34 and 65-34 for the Yellow Jackets. UWS also got additional tallies from Philip Erickson, Bryce Bolt, and Gavin Watkinson and Ryan Tomshi. Tomshi, kind of an interesting story. He's only played six games this year. Has two goals already. Yep, <laughs> he's been coming off the bench here in the last few weeks, but has really made an impact. Uh, for the game, UWS held a 50-9 to edge in shots against the Rams, including 37-5 to in shots on goal. Wow. Sounds like a hockey game. <laughs> Patrick Sessions and Lucas Biederman's bedtime in goal making combined three saves. And then on Saturday against the Eagles, UWS scored all four goals in the second half. Mackie Ringrose, Jake Kidd, Ryan Tomshi again, and then Philip Erickson all scored for the Jackets, who held a 27-5 to edge in total shots. And an 11-4 to advantage in shots on goal, Alex Paredes. Made four saves in goal to get the shutout. Alex Hansen, by the way, was named UMAC Defensive Player of the Week as well. And the men now, like I said, in first place by one point. The reason why? Bethy Lutheran, they squandered their lead. They lost to uh, Minnesota Morris 2-1 to one on Saturday. So the Jackets with that win against the Eagles then vaulted into first place, and now they control their own destiny. So if they win yep. their two games this week, they'll be conference champs for the, I don't know, what would it be, fifth year in a row? Or? Fifth or, I think. Uh, they're going for their fifth. Is it their, is it their fifth fourth? or sixth straight? Uh, because it's the regular season, or the playoff championships is one more than the regular season. Yep. So is it four and five, or would it be five and six? I want to say. I, I, I think NCAA tournaments. This would be they're going for their sixth in a row. I'm just going to look it up. Okay. You can go ahead and dive into volleyball. Okay. While I go and while you go, okay, and seek this out. Jump into volleyball. Volleyball at 14 and 10 now overall. 10 and two in the UMAC. They went one and two last week, sweeping North Central three nothing on Friday in the aforementioned match where John got. Reamed by the official, apparently. No, it wasn't a reaming. It wasn't a reaming. It was just a, uh, you guys are in the wrong place. Please be in the right place. That was a 3 nothing win on Friday night at the Mertz. That was senior night, by the way, for Coach Lynn Diedrich and company. When they lost to number five ranked Northwestern, 3 to nothing on Saturday. Both those matches were played at the Mertz. And then the Yellow Jackets closed out the week with a 3 nothing shutout loss to number 14 ranked UW Eau Claire in Eau Claire. That was played last night. Against the Rams on Friday, UWS won by set scores of 25-21, 25-12, and 25-9. Offensively, UWS was paced by Alexi Pree with 12 kills, while Colleen Claude had 20 assists. Cassie Taff also handed out 13 more assists for the Jackets. Jenna Anderson led the way defensively with 14 digs. Against the Eagles on Saturday, Northwestern won by scores of 25-13, 25-18, and 27-25. 
Jackets were led by Preed with 12 kills. Colleen Claude, 17 assists. Cassie Teff had 13 more. While Jen Anderson, again, led the way defensively with 23 digs. And against the Blue Goals last night, UWS fell by scores of 25-17, 25-20, and 25-9. Cassie Teff had 7 kills and 11 assists. Lexi Preed and Jenna Anderson each finished the match with 10 digs each in that one. So one and two for volleyball, but still in really good position to clear, well, hopefully anyway, clinch that number two seed for the UMAC tournament, and that which would mean they'd be at home for the opening round on November 2nd. And uh, did you find out the, the information? They're okay. going for their sixth. Okay, so it would be six, six straight conference titles if the Jackets can take care of business on uh, their end this weekend at home. And men's and women's cross country, by the way, was idle, so... Nothing on their end, but uh, they'll be busy coming up this coming weekend. Yep, they've got a big weekend yep. here ahead of so. them, and we can talk a little bit more about that a little bit later on. But coming yep. up next year on Eye of the Swarm, we'll have our triangular table segment. Uh, we are not round today. It is a triangle as we are going to have a chance to uh, – we are in crossover season, so we're going to jump into winter sports here today, and we're going to talk a little women's basketball with interim head coach Emily Carpenter. That's coming up right after this on Eye of the Swarm. Can I borrow the sports page? Are we sure we're ready for this expansion? Of course we're ready for it. It's a great idea. Let's celebrate with a vacation. I'm thinking <laughs> Hawaii. We're ready for you. Is it okay if my friend comes with? Of course. Imagination's always welcome here. Bring us your best ideas. Let's see how we can help. National Bank of Commerce. Imagination's welcome. We're back for the roundtable segment of this week's Eye of the Swarm, and we are joined by Yellow Jacket women's basketball coach Emily Carpenter, and I am going to deliberately not use the word interim because I just don't like the word interim. It's administrative because to everybody in that locker room, you are the coach of the Yellow Jacket women's basketball team, and... uh, Let's talk a little bit about that, how that happened, because if there is um, if there is ever a time where I could open the dictionary and see a personification of the word whirlwind, it's sitting right there, because <laughs> that was a whirlwind from Zach resigning to you coming in. Lay that out. How did all that happen? Yeah, so, I mean, I guess I was just as surprised when we all found out the news come May or whatever it was. Um, about Zach resigning and then didn't hear again until almost August really so I know it was just a long wait for everyone and I mean I kind of I came up for the alumni golf tournament um, whenever that was in middle of August I think and I saw Nick Bursick the AD obviously and just kind of asked him how how the search was going since it had been a couple months already since any news was published or anything and he was like like, do you want to have a conversation about it? I was like, yeah, sure. So the next day we met up together and we talked about it. And I just told him like, hey, I'm I'm really interested. If if you're still looking for someone, I I think I can help help do, get the job done. Um, so we had a little conversation, a little small interview, went over some questions. And Nick was like, I'll get back to you here in a week or two because I know they were still in the process of other interviews. And then come... I, get, I bet it was only three days later I got a call. I had already gone back home to southern Minnesota, and Nick had offered me the job, and I just knew it was something that I had to say yes to immediately. It was really no no hesitation, no questions asked. That I just I knew it. I knew it was the job for me. So that's how I ended back up here in Superior, Wisconsin. So <laughs> it's, it's interesting that you say without hesitation because. It went quickly. It is an interim position, which yep. means eventually there has to be a national search for it. Right. And when it's an interim position, there's no guarantees that when the national search comes and goes that that you're the person coming yep. forward. You hope you are, but there's no guarantees that that is going to be right. the case. So no hesitation at all even to leave a, a, a job because you were coaching. Yep. Not basketball, but softball. Correct, yep. So you're, you're giving up a position that is, for the most part, a guarantee mm-hmm. for something that has zero guarantees. Strange that there was no hesitation at all. Why is that? I think just, I mean, granted, 24 years old, I just think that head coaching job of a college that I played at, so I know the community, is just really a no-brainer. At 
how young I am in my career. Like you said, I was coaching past two years since I graduated, um, just part-time softball. So I just knew head coach job full-time came around. Granted, it may only be for a year, which is fine. I just think it's just opportunity, experience that you couldn't pass up on. And I think, I know coaching is what I want to do eventually, or long-term, I should say. So say Superior only works out for a year. I think just with this head coaching experience at 24 years old, I'm able to get a coaching job kind of wherever I would like to, if worst case scenario. <laughs> I would imagine she used the, the the number twice, so now I know we don't have to ask how old she is. Yeah. She's got to be the youngest coach in the country. Wouldn't you guess at 24? Yeah, I would I would probably guess so. Um, for me, um, having, of course, been the voice of Yell Jacket basketball for many years now and having – seen Emily as a player now for four years, now having her come in as a coach, it's 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 a strange feeling for me because it makes me feel old. <laughs> we are, it, man. Yeah, we're <laughs> you know, because you know, I it wasn't that long ago I was interviewing her in the you know realm of a player for, you know, a player interview. Now I'm gonna be interviewing her as a coach and we've talked about this. This is odd for both of us at yeah. a certain level just because it's now you gotta complete... do it every game. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I well, well I, I remember walking in your office and I said to you, I said, you know, we're gonna have to do <laughs> these interviews now. And she's like, that's okay, I can handle it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, it's interesting for me in a, in a couple different ways, just because Emily is an alum. You know, she was a two sport athlete here. Um, you know, she she's as quintessential Yellow Jacket women's basketball as you could get. You know, her name's in the record books. I mean, she's done a lot, won a lot of games, went to national tournaments, and all this kind of stuff. So she's got that kind of association with the program, but I will be honest with you. When I found out it was going to be Emily, I was a little bit surprised just because I knew she had just started in her coaching career. Um, she spent a couple of years down at Gustavus cause she's from St. Peter and you know, she'd been coaching softball there as an assistant and I knew she wanted to go into coaching, but the fact that she'd been away from the game for a few years kind of was like, well, I'm, I'll wonder you know, what, what her philosophy is going to be when she comes in. Um, and in that regard, I was happy to have you back. I just was surprised it was, yeah. you know, because we were waiting on word for a long time. Right. And it just, no word came for a couple months. And I got questions. People were asking me, you know, what's the situation with the women's basketball search and so on and so forth. And I said, I really don't know. And in fact, I had run into you, I think, before that, even the interim, yeah. you know, position had been discussed between you and Nick. And I was kind of, we were just catching up. And I was like, how are things going? Oh, they're good, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, how your parents and all this kind of stuff. Not knowing that in a couple of weeks... She was going to be the new basketball coach, yeah. so right. it's a weird dynamic for me now because I have to even switch gears. Yeah. You know, Emily's switching gears. I'm switching gears as well, um, and the players now are also having to switch gears, right? Because some of these girls are former teammates of yours. Well, and that's where I wanted yeah. to go. Is yeah. you know, do you feel? Does that feel strange? Um, Coaching players that you played yeah. with are do you are you concerned about how they? are going to look at you, not as coach, but maybe as carp. Right. Um, honestly, we're about a week and a half into our like full season now. Every day we're going practicing. And it honestly, there's been no issues. I think um, just I established establish that, excuse me, pretty early when I came in. Like, yeah, we played together, this and that, but like now we have to set certain boundaries. And I think – they respect that, the two that I played with, two seniors, that they respect that. But they also, I've talked to them a little bit, that they were also kind of happy that it was me at the same time because we had played together. So they kind of knew how I functioned on the court, um, how I like looked at basketball, that I was so serious, competitiveness, all that. And then I also know how they played. Like, Granted, they were only freshmen at the time, so I was a few years older, but just knowing like their background, basketball and stuff like that. So I, there's really been no issues about boundaries, respect, and it's been it's been super easy transition. Honestly, I was a little, you could say I was a little worried. Just even not even just the two seniors, but all of them because I am only five years older than them and stuff like that. If that, so I was a little worried. I know people kept asking me like how I was gonna do that stuff like that, but there's really been no issues. Um, Katie and I, this my assistant, she's only. Couple years older than white I lightning. am. Yeah. Yeah, Katie White. She'll yeah. always be white lightning. <laughs> yeah. Well, and his thing about Katie White is interesting is that she's in the same position that you know Emily's in at a certain level because right. she would also play with some of these girls. Yep. Because you guys are both basketball alums, so it's it, you know um, the whole thing is 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 a very intriguing dynamic to watch, mm -hmm. and, and that's 
that's the thing that's that's really cool because like like you, Katie's also played with a couple players on this team. Yep. So it, it's it's kind of throwing it back to that, you know, remembering what you guys were like on the court. Mm-hmm. You know, because I always kind of thought of you as as being a point guard. Right. I always thought of you as kind of being like another coach on the court because that's really what a point guard, especially the college level, kind of is. Yep. They're kind of directing traffic. They're making sure everybody is setting picks and coming off the screens correctly. And then, you know, getting the ball in the right spot at the right time, making sure the tempo is right, the mm-hmm. defense is set, all that kind of stuff. That all falls on the point guard, generally speaking. Right. Yep. So in that regard, I feel like you've got a leg up because you know how the system has worked right. over the years. Yep. And I know you've made some changes, but not a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. even when – because obviously previous coach, Zach, um, he coached me for three years as a head coach, and he, he told me multiple times as the point guard, he's like, you are the coach essentially that's on the court on the court. Um, and just being two year captain as well, I kind of just had that leadership role, took, um, kind of just took the team on my back, not necessarily on the playing wise, but getting, getting things done, being, having to kind of be the, the bad guy, the hard guy at times. So it's definitely been an easy transition. Granted, there's a lot more behind the scenes, paperwork, stuff like that, that you have to do as the head coach. <laughs> all obviously. the stuff first time head coaches are learning about. <laughs> yes, yeah, yep. exactly. All that, which it's been an easy transition. I've had a lot of people take me in as mentor or being my mentor, just helping me. So it's been a super easy transition, honestly, easier than, than I expected. So, how has the, because the odd part of the timing of all of this, mm-hmm. obviously, you lost the entire summer right. recruiting wise. And yep. all of that. So let's talk a little bit about how you're building this roster. Yeah. And I'm assuming you're going to rely very heavily on on returners because you didn't have yep. any opportunity to really go and get do any recruiting. Right. Yeah. It's been a little bit difficult, to be honest, just having get the job end of August. And I think I literally got it the last weekend the AAU was going on. So I did miss the entire summer season. The only thing that's been super helpful is just like my connection with a lot of high school coaches in the area and then also where I'm from, they've just been super helpful. Like, hey, here's some girls that you should probably look at that would maybe be able to help you. So that's been super helpful. Um, I've been able to get in contact with a lot of local girls just being here right in the area. So I've really relied heavily on that. I have gone to um, a few fall like AU tournaments now, so that's been super helpful to get a little bit of exposure I would say that I maybe am a little bit behind in the process, but at the same time, last week I did get my first two commits. So that's nice as a hey, head coach. Congratulations. To, yeah, thank you to get that um, right away, relieve a little stress off of me. Sure. So just having that definitely helps. I still obviously want to get a few more, and I'm still in the process of that. But just knowing that I have finally a couple that have committed helps me a little bit. Um, I know going recruiting like this weekend and stuff like that. So the fall has been super helpful, at least to get my name out there and some exposure. So, and online huddle, all that is super helpful as well. Right. So isn't that an awesome feeling? I know when I was coaching, when that kid finally said, coach, I think I'm coming to superior. Yep. Like you think, or you are, <laughs> nope, I'm in, I'm coming. Yeah, yep. I'm it's coming. such an awesome feeling. Yeah. And it was yeah. actually crazy. Cause one girl had called me um, earlier in the day, we had had a couple visits already. Like she'd been to campus a few times and she's like, I think Sapir is the place for me, blah, blah, blah. But just kind of want to wait, a, wait a little bit. And I was like, okay, that's fine. And then she texted me or called me actually and was like, Superior is like the place for me. I, I would love to play basketball, this and that. And then it was crazy. Cause it literally, I think it was six hours later, the other girl called me and it was just crazy. Cause it was both of them in the one day. The one I swear she wanted to commit the day that she was here, but she's like, I just need some time. And it was two days later right. she called me. So it's just, yeah, it was an awesome ex- um, experience and just feeling. Yeah. So. so you're two for two. I mean, yeah, she's yeah. the first two people she's, she's batting 100% she's got, right I mean, yeah. on the recruiting side of it. So <laughs> right. that's, you're a re- recruiting master over here, I guess. So <laughs> well, The thing I think that'll help, especially in that regard, is for Emily, this is, this is sort of like, and I, I don't want to use it because I, I, I don't want to speak for you, but mm-hmm. – it almost feels like a homecoming for her, really. I mean, yep. she knows the office. She knows the department. She knows, you know, almost all the coaches before she came. Because she's playing here when most of these coaches right. came here. Yep. You know, and the and she knows the culture of the athletic department. So for her, the transition, I would imagine, was a lot easier than it might be for, you know, just another interim coach that could come in. I mean, right. you're used to sitting in that office. Yeah. You're in a different chair now. <laughs> yeah. But you're used to being in that office. You're used mm-hmm. to being in that locker room. You're used to, you know, how the Mertz plays and and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So it was just 
I was surprised. This goes back to my surprise when she was hired, but also not surprised at a certain point because she's kind of, like I said, she's a quintessential representative of the program. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she always has been, you know, since she came here. Yeah. And, you know, there are a lot of your former teammates uh, are in the area as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about Katie White, Eva, you know, now Eva Gray. She wasn't Eva Reinerson mm-hmm. at the time. You know, and Haley Cotney, who's also – I mean, there's there's a group of alumni that are, are sort of, you know, entrenched in the area at a certain level. They're either coaching yeah. or they're working in the area or something like that. Right. So bringing you back sort of – when you take all that into account, it makes sense. And it, makes, it it I can see why recruits would be attracted to that. Yeah. I imagine, too, that your age is going to help in that respect. You'll have yep. some coaches that will go, right. she's a kid. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been in this business 25 years. That's a kid. You, you, you know, that she's an interim. You don't know if she's even going to be there next year. You don't want to do right. that. But you, at your age, you have a certain relatability to the high school kids coming into the college yeah. game right now that other coaches do not have. Yeah. And that's got to be advantageous to you. Yeah. I definitely have kind of preached that to some of the recruits. I know some of their parents um, have asked a little bit how I've, how I'm dealing with that. And I was like, I think it's an advantage of me being closer to age because I obviously just recently went through this experience myself. I know exactly how the players right now are feeling when they're stressed, dealing with homework, school, or practice, all that. So I just think I have been preaching, like I said, just can relate to them personally. Like I I know how they're feeling. I know how to overcome these things like this. So I just, and I know a lot of the girls that I've been talking to, even some of our players are like, no, it's been like super helpful. Like I think I can just relate to them in a way that, and say an older coach can't necessarily because granted they've been in, in the coaching business, whatever, for how many years. But I just think personally on that relationship side, I have a little bit more of an advantage just being so close in age. We can relate a lot better, I think. So it's definitely, I think of it as an advantage and I think it's definitely helped, um, helped me build personal relationships. So Let's talk a little bit about the the season that's coming. Yep. Because we're officially in season yes, now. Are, yeah. And, you know, a couple of weeks away from from the opening tip. Mm-hmm. How how has the team been so far through practices? The last couple of years obviously have been disappointing right. with the finishes within the conference. So yep. obviously they know there's room to improve. Mm-hmm. They know there's room for growth. Yep. How have the first few practices been? How are you laying out that path for them to go from where they are now to where they were when you were the point guard here? Yeah. So I honestly, Katie and I, um, we've been actually super, super impressed. We've been really happy the way that the first um, couple weeks have been going so far. We just keep preaching on the girls that this team has so much potential because they really do. We have a lot of um, individual talent there in multiple positions. It's now it's just if we want to come together and play as a team. And we've just been really preaching that um, these past couple practices, just, hey, we're going to be the team that plays team basketball, this and that. And now from day one to I think we're on day nine already, we can we see w- a lot more. Like it's just gotten so much better from day one to day nine now. I think it's finally clicking in in the girls' heads. Like, hey, yeah, if we buy in, like – us coaches, Katie and I, we're buying in. We're telling them every day, "Hey, we're here to we're here to make you better. We see so much potential. We, this team can go a long ways um, and be super successful if you guys want to believe it. Us coaches can believe it, but it's, it's what it comes down to is if they want to believe it. So the intensity, energy has honestly been super good, super super good. Um, obviously, I played here for four years, went to won three conference tournaments, so I know what it takes to to have to win a conference tournament. It's it's a long two-hour practices that you're tired. It's a lot of running up and down, and it has been the first couple of weeks. Um, for us, it's been a lot of running. But us being a little bit on the shorter side this year, that's how we're going to have to play is going up and down, quick press. And I think, like I said, the girls are finally finally seeing it, seeing the progress that we've been doing and how how well it can actually work for us this year. So, And you obviously played for Dr. Don yep. for a year and you played for Zach for three. There was a lot of success in those, yep. you know, in those years that you were playing here. Yeah, a lot of banners hung in Yeah, what do, you, what do you yeah. take from each of them? Yeah, so definitely taking, like, obviously practice stuff, drills like that has been a lot of the same things just because that's what I know. Um, some of the offense has been the same, but at the same time, I think just coming in is kind of a fresh start for – Obviously, me on the coaching side now, and then the girls, just a different perspective coming from a different coach. Um, 
I definitely taking from the program that I knew is the fast pace up and down pressing. I know in the past couple of years, at least some from when I played, maybe got away from that a little bit, the pressing side. So I definitely want to get back into that and just get up and down. If we, we have some girls that can play that can run that are pretty quick. And if we can have a deep bench, I think that will be an advantage come the fourth quarter when we're playing these teams that say only play eight girls. So I think the community will like that um, just because, you know, during your run and, and the run of NCAA tournaments and conference titles that we mm-hmm. had in a row there, um, I think that f- people got used to the, the way the team played, which was to run up and down, put a lot of pressure on. I mean, yep. you guys got up and down, scored a lot of points, and won a lot of games doing it that way. Yeah. Also kind of established the Mertz as a really, really dominant home court advantage. It was a tough place to play. Yeah, for yep. other teams. I mean, I, I forget what this It was 36 or 37 in a row at home at one point. Yeah, it was something yeah. like that. Uh, during your time here. And so does that also factor in? Do you go back and you share with, with the players, like, look, you see all those banners up there? I was on those teams. Yep. You know, and we took pride in defending this court and playing the way that we're going to play, which is up and down, yep. and, and took pride in everything that we're doing. Has that been something that you've also tried to put into this this group? Yeah, a little bit. I would say, like, our first team meeting, maybe, I just told them, I was like, hey, I know some of you guys are probably skeptical right now. First time meeting me, coming in 24 years old, but I was like, I won three tournaments or three conference tournaments here, went to two national tournaments. I lost. Matt and I were talking about actually last week we were counting it up. I've lost in my four years here, lost three conference games, regular season games. So just having that attitude, just knowing like, hey, I'm like I'm sick of losing to these teams like to Bethany every single year, stuff like that. So I, Katie and I have just been reiterating to them like, hey, this is a team that we don't we don't want to lose. We did um, team goals. I remember it was one of our first meetings, and some people we went around and shared them. Some were like a winning record because obviously they were only six and whatever last year have a winning record in the conference this and that and some of them are like 10 10 wins and I told him I was like hey guys when I was here our our team goals every year were we were 16 and 0 in the conference we did that for we went two years 16 and 0 my junior 15 and 1 it's just like I just think the mindset has changed a little bit from when I played to now where it's yeah we're we're okay with just 500 in the conference yeah. where which I think the conference is definitely um a lot better now that since when I played my freshman year here I'd we agree were, with that we yeah. were blowing out teams left and right by 50 points and now I think it's definitely a lot more more even which is a good thing obviously better competition um better recruits and stuff coming in so I think the UMAC has definitely stepped up their game for all schools but just having knowing that superior's always been been the top of the conference and just knowing that so we always have a target on our back because every team always wanted to beat us and I just wanted to get back to that and I think we just keep reiterating to the girls that that we can be the powerhouses if they want and believe it as well too the expectations were very high mm-hmm. and were for several Extremely years high, yeah. yeah every year I mean yep. that was because I think we all shared that same expectation it was you know NCAA tournament or bust yep you yep. know every year and, you know, we had three straight trips to the NCAA tournament during that run. Yep. And then, you know, four straight conference crowns and, you know, and then a runner-up in there as well, you know. And I don't know how many times in a row we went to the conference tournament championship game yep. between the WIAC and the UMAC. It was like every year for like seven years. Right. Mm-hmm. So the, the expectations were always very high mm-hmm. for the program. And I know that's where you want to get back to. Yeah. Just because you've been on that side of it where the expectations were always high coming in. Yeah. Where you sat down the team meeting and said, look, guys, it's 20 wins or bust. Yep. It's NCAA tournament or bust yeah. for us this year. And you know, what- and that's. That's sort of that's that mindset. I feel like that needs to come back a little yeah. bit too in the program. And like definitely I said uh, we've been we've been Katie and I've been preaching that in that we're setting our standards high this year, our expectations high because I us coaches we believe that we can get there. We're gonna set our standards high because right now I think people think interim coach with me right now younger team this and that like we are the underdogs and probably uh, that's just in the conference that's just how people are viewing us so we really don't have anything to lose so we're the ones that are going to go out there and shock a lot of teams because they're just not expecting it so who are some of the players that are going to take us to these higher expectations we've talked in generalities a little bit yeah let's talk a little bit now about some of these specific players yeah so like I said I think we have a solid group that a lot of girls can play, but obviously a few of our top returners is obviously Kaylin Christian. She's a, a senior now. She's been um, 
starter since her sophomore year. That's the one that I played with as well. She was averaging, I think, like 12 points a game last year. So she she has the potential to help us go a long way. Um, other senior is Maddie Sanders. She's a she's great on defense. She gets every single board. She's not may not be the tallest person out there, but she she leads our team in rebounds, which is saying something. Um, Brighton, she's our our true post down low, and she's she's been working hard in practices, and she's been really. Katie and I have been really, really impressed with her down low. Um, Sam Prendo is a returner junior. She's been playing since her freshman year as well, so she puts a lot of um, a lot of minutes up. Elise is just a a sophomore, but played huge minutes as a freshman last year, and I think she's kind of one that is kind of reminds she reminds me reminds me of me. I should say she's just that true point guard out there, tough nose that she's gonna. She's going to lead the team on the court, um, just get – she's a true team player. Um, like I said, yeah, we got a lot of a lot of young girls, a lot of sophomores that I think will have to step up and play this year. Um, and then a couple – we only have four freshmen this year, um, but they've they've been impressive too. So I think we – like I told – like I said, we could play – we could play a lot of people in some big minutes. So I'm really looking forward to – being able to run up and down and play a lot of girls this year. Yeah. I mean that, you know, those, those names do not surprise me. Um, yep. I've been around the program. Um, I, I was, I kind of smile a little bit when you c- compare Elise Besson to yourself yep. because she is, she does have sort of a similarity to Emily mm-hmm. for sure. She shoots the long ball. Well, uh, she passes the ball. Well, I thought she had some really good minutes, some really good moments as a freshman last year. I thought she yep. played well, you know, Kaylin is one of those players got a lot of speed. She really runs well. Mm-hmm. You know, she runs like a gazelle and she can hit uh, three point shots, but she's really good defensively when she reads the passing lanes and stuff. So yep. there is some, you know, talent there and Brighton's a two point, two sport athlete. Yep. Um, she had some injury issues last year that kept her out of the lineup. They really could have used her right. last yeah. year, but she was banged up for a lot of the year. Um, and I know you've got some other big buys that are coming back. I know Lindry from the soccer oh, yep. team is going to be joining in and yep. She played big minutes last yeah, year too. And so, so, um, you know, they're. There, there is a, a core of returners there, so there is mm-hmm. some familiarity there. Yep. It'll just be interesting to see what kind of steps they take, and you know how serious they are going forward. Because right. um, I, I think at times last year things got a little bit splintered in terms of. Uh, That's probably a good word to use. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean there was there was a lot of of people going different directions, and not really you know possibly understanding where the everybody as a group was trying to go. Right. And so you know if if they can bring that back together. You know, I think that there is potential there to to mm-hmm. have have a really good year, especially if if they can keep the energy and the in the focus up. And that's 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 what I noticed last year when the team lost focus was kind of midway through the season, and they just have to you know kind of get back to it and hopefully uh, you know um, make a, a step up in the standings for sure. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about you personally. Mm-hmm. You, you touched on recruiting earlier. Yep. When Don was recruiting you, what was the selling point to get you here? Yeah. I think it was just more so like that personal relationship that he built he built between us. Like I just think he was someone that he yes, he wanted me really bad here um like on the court. Like he knew that he's he just kept reminding me that I have the talent that it takes to to play at Superior when Superior was granted they played a lot of upperclassmen and stuff like that and I was lucky to have played some my freshman year, but just that personal relationship. I could tell that he yes, he wanted me here for basketball reasons, but he also really wanted me here as a person. Like he just cared a lot about you. Um, personally, like he would, he drove four hours one time to come see me play on a Tuesday night, like left practice early, just things like that. He was just a really good people person. And he got, he built a really strong relationship with my parents too, which is super nice. Obviously just knowing that he, yes, he cared about me, but also having that relationship with my parents that if something was going wrong or something, he could also rely on them as well. So I think it was just more so outside of basketball. Yeah, basketball was a huge, huge factor why I wanted to come here, but also just that relationship that he built with me. When, and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but <laughs> when you were thinking about taking this, did you talk to him? Um, a little bit, yeah. To be honest, um, they, I had been in conversation with um, taking a job with him as well. Oh, okay. So he wanted me as his. He wanted me as his assistant coach. Um, so I was really in between both of them. But like I said, just 
the head coach opportunity, I think, was just a lot a better experience opportunity that I needed to take. And I know, like, we actually play Don this year, so we do. It's the first time I think that he's been back up here, if I'm correct. right. So I'm really looking forward to that. I know um, Hal Mulhern obviously goes a long way in the program too. He said that's the one game that he wants to sit on Superior's bench this year. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the, the Mulherns at each other again. Yes. Oh, that's funny. But no, Don. Yeah, Don's been super, also super helpful in this transition. Even though I didn't accept the job with him, he's like, whatever you need. Like he obviously knows the program as well, so he's been super helpful too. Mm-hmm. So, well, look, I can't think of a better mentor, really. No. Yeah. I mean, then Don, he he was, you know, and I know that there are some listeners that have not don't know him like you and I know him and like right. you know him. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was, you know, we, we talk about UWS's campus being kind of, especially the athletic department being kind of a family atmosphere where yep. the athletes are valued much more for not just their sport, but also as people. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of a, an ongoing theme within the department right now. Don was sort of very much at the forefront of that kind of thinking as well when he was here. And it's, it was a tribute to him, the fact that he built that program that way, right? you know, because all the players on the team were very likable and, and 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 very connected beyond the fact that you know there were you know lots of success going on on the basketball court because one of the telling things for me was i remember don's last year maybe it was uh, zach's first year but the mindset was so different in terms of just taking care of business on the court nobody cared about what the record was or anything like that i mean i remember having a conversation with justine larson Mm-hmm. You know, another one of the uh, uh, alums from the from the quote unquote good old days, I guess. They're not that <laughs> old, but um, I asked. You know, she, she asked me what 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 their record was, what you guys' record was, and I yeah. told her what it was, and she's like, "Oh, I didn't realize we had played that many games or won that many or anything like that." So, it, like, the entire mindset was not on what's our record, where are we at, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. It was just taking care of business day to day, and just then trusting in that if we do the things we're supposed to do when we're here. You know, it'll translate to the court. And that's sort of been a feeling I get throughout the entire department, really, with the athletes is nobody really cares so much about the wins and losses. I mean, they do, but they don't. You know right. what I mean? What, what comes first is our unity and making sure that we're all doing the right things to yep. get us to where we want to go. Yep. And it sounds like that's, that, the, 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 that's part of, of, of building of what women's basketball has had and hopefully yeah. we'll have in the future as well. Yeah, we've just been really focused right now. I mean, obviously, X's and O's and stuff on the court, but also off the court, I think just us being – a unified team, really connected team off the court, it will just easily transition over to the court. If we can have the team chemistry off the court, it will just come natural on the court. And we've just been doing a lot of um, team bonding, things like that. And I think it's been super helpful. I definitely can tell on the court that the girls are enjoying themselves around each other, having a lot of fun. Like this, in two days, we're having a Halloween party. Like stuff, just small things like that that will help just translate onto the core has been super helpful for us and super easy. So it's been nice. So you're, you're from St. Peter Correct. and this, yep. this has nothing to do with basketball. Yeah. <laughs> You've mentioned your age and everything. Were mm-hmm. you born when the tornado hit? Um, no, it hit in March and I was born in May. So okay. I was not born yet. Okay. Um, yeah. My sister was like two. Fun time to be seven months my, pregnant though. For yeah. My parents mom. were actually living in, um, North Mankato at the time. Okay. So they didn't even get hit, but th- like North Mankato didn't get hit at all. And it was all just St. Peter. Like they could hear the sirens and stuff from Mankato. But then I think it was a few months later after I was born, then we finally moved to St. Peter. So okay. yeah. Yep. I, the only reason I brought it because it, it, it's just one of those things that popped into my head. Yeah, nice. that was and crazy I, because I was at St. Olaf at the time. Right. Yeah. yeah and when that took place, and I because we absorbed a lot of the Gustavus students. Yeah. For the rest of the year, they oh, would really? they would bus over from St. Peter. Oh, yeah. Wow. Which was it, it was fine. I mean, it like it was just a very weird dynamic. Yeah. But I remember that happened at the conclusion of spring break. I was moving back in to the dorm, and like I remember it was a brutally hot day yeah. when it took place in March. Yeah. 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 In Northfield, like it was brutal. Yeah. I, it was it was in definitely the nineties, and I was like, "Jesus, really hot!" And then the tornado sirens went off in Northfield, and we were like, "Well, okay, I'm not quite sure what's happening here." But then we got word about what had happened in St. Peter mm-hmm. and the damage that had been done, especially to Gustavus's campus. And you know, there was some question as to where all these gusty students going to go yeah. because now they're stuck. Yeah, you know, and. Thankfully, Gustavus was still on their break, so nobody was really oh. on campus yeah. at the time. Because otherwise, because I mean, there were all kinds of crazy stories about what had happened in St. Peter at that time. Like, right. I know Gustavus, the chapel got, I think, pretty much utterly like the, yeah, all the, it yeah. got yeah, like it got hit like hard. The, the steeple came did, down, yeah. yeah, yeah, like everything pretty much on top because Gustavus is on a hill. Yep. Yep. 
So naturally, you know, tornado, if it goes through, is going to hit that hill. It was, it was wild. That was a wild well, time. Yeah. And I, I brought it up because I, I had a couple of guys that I played junior with that were at Gustavus at the time. Yep. Okay. They were seniors when, when all that happened. But if you, if you go, like when the hockey team goes and plays there, right. if you ever go down and call a basketball game there, they have a photo in the lobby of the Lund Center that shows campus to kind of show how it rebuilt after yep. that tornado and everything. So I was just one of the few people I know that's yeah. from there. So I was curious if, <laughs> if you were alive during that time nope, or I was not. So not. Do your parents later, talk about it though? Do your parents ever like have they ever said anything about what they um, heard about what happened in St. Peter's? I mean, time? I th- I think it was maybe the next day I heard or something or two days later that they drove through St. Peter and it was just gone. Gone. Literally they took it and they were just like, Holy crap. We actually have a book um they made after it that it happened, and I think probably every resident in St. Peter has it, and it's just all the pictures and everything um of the tornado, what the damage was and everything. Wow. And it's kinda like some of it's like what it looked like before and then after, and it's right. just completely yeah. gone. So that's the only really time we talk about it. I know every year, um, it's in March. I can't think of the exact date, March third, something like that. Of um, that they just always like post something for St. Peter and things like that. So interesting. Reminds me of more Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. The more Oklahoma got, and that was much more recent. But right. Yeah. 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 Same same thing. Right. Well, the entire town got flattened basically. Right. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So you're, you're a new coach, and you're a first-time visitor to our show, and yes. chances are you haven't listened to any previous episodes with new coaches, but we do this thing called Rapid Fire to wrap oh up the segment. Yes. <laughs> oh, Nobody warned you. This Nobody no. warned you. So I, I, I keep this one quiet usually because I don't want people to start thinking about what I may ask. Oh, my goodness. So there's, a, there's a pool of about 30 questions. You know, and I yeah. usually pick a handful. I've got, yeah. I've got five yeah. here today. So if, you, if you're good, we'll, we'll jump like, in. You just ask I ask a answer? question, and you just, yep, you answer quick. They're, they're rapid. rapid fire. Is it they're like rapid, a yeah. yes or no question or kind it, of? It can be. <laughs> okay. Or it can be a little bit, you know, because I've got a couple yes is or no, no's in here, but I have basketball some. basketball related? Or no, this is just Typically no. Okay. Yeah. Typically no. Yeah. Perfect. You know, first question is always the same. Yes. If you weren't coaching, what would you be doing? Hmm. I know it's supposed to be rapid, but. Um, <laughs> some of them struggle yeah. more. Some of them, you got to think yeah, a little bit. Honestly, um. Like, I I would want to be doing something around sports. I always knew that. That's why I got exercise science major. Um, I thought I always wanted to be a physical therapist, but then I decided that that wasn't the route for me. So I honestly think just something around sports. I know maybe sounds cliche because I'm a coach now, but just I've always known that I wanted to be around sports. So okay, something. I don't know what specific. If my dream job would be like a personal trainer for like an NFL team, but okay, <laughs> right on. I was wondering if you were gonna, if you're gonna say something about. For those of you who don't know, um, Emily's dad Jerry is a golf pro. Yeah, and true. yeah, so I, I was just wondering if, like, because I don't think you ever did anything with golf, did you? Did, like, no, nope. yeah, I, not it, in high school or anything like that. I just picked it up in the past couple summers, but other than that, okay, no, yeah. So. so, who plays you in a movie about your life? Um, I'm really bad with like actresses and stuff like that. So, (laughs) um, who would you ideally like to play? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the girl version of like Will, Will Ferrell. (laughs) I don't know who that would be. Sherry O'Terry. I don't know who that would be, but just, I think just have that SNL theme. Yeah. Yeah, Goofy personality just cause. Though honestly, the one movie that came to my mind was Elf so when he played. So I just think like someone that has that per- type of personality. Honestly, like I said, I'm really bad with actor the okay. actress's That's all right. names. So <laughs> That's all right. We can we can yeah, draw, we yeah, can figure yeah, that yeah. out yeah. on our own. That's okay. Does pineapple belong on pizza? Yes. Okay. <laughs> that's a good that was that, a good, that, that's yeah, a good, that, good rapid yes. fire right there. Good. What was your favorite Halloween costume growing up? Because we were right around the corner yeah. from Halloween. Um Honestly, I have this picture in my head. Well, one, both my sister and I did it. I think my parents just passed along. It was a little baby caterpillar, which is super cute. And I also remember, obviously, I had to go um, as Brett Favre because I'm a diehard Packer fan. So that's probably one of them. Show's I was, over. Yeah, I was, su- I was super little, and I could just. Pi- I remember the picture in my head. So okay. I can picture you as a caterpillar for sure. Yes. <laughs> I'm. I'm. I, I could. Well. Okay, because, yeah, like I said, I know your parents are both diehard Parker fans, especially yeah. your dad. Yeah. Um, I could see you guys as Brett Favre. I mean, yeah. do the hair and the beard maybe a little bit. But yeah. 
<laughs> but the caterpillar I could definitely go with. I yep, can see that one. It was yeah. a green little fluffy costume. That's fantastic. Yes. <laughs> what is the best Halloween candy? Um, the pumpkin shaped Reese's pieces. What is the Ooh. worst? Um, the Twix or not Twix? Um, Twizzlers, like the little package of Twizzlers. Really? Why yeah. is that bad? I just have never been a, p- a fan of Twizzlers, so. So you, is it a licorice thing or is it a red vines thing? Um, this gets into what's what's better, Twizzlers or red vines? Both. I just don't like either. To okay, be honest, okay. So it's anti licorice. Yeah. Okay. So I know like the little that's like one sleeve of them is in there, and I know people always say like the I think it's maybe the red vine ones are the best Halloween candy because that's like really the only time you can get them. I don't know. I just saw it. Someone posted it the other mm, day. Interesting. But yeah, I can't stand Twizzlers or red vines okay. in general. I like the newer <laughs> Twizzlers that have come out. Those are the, like the the ones where you just peel off like the one line, like right. Not, yeah, I think those are the ones people were it's talking about. It's like string about. cheese then. Yeah, yeah, it's almost like, yeah, I don't, I, for somebody brought a bag of them up to the press box not that long ago, I feel like. <laughs> and then for soccer, and I was sitting there munching on them before I went on the air. <laughs> I'm enough. trying to remember what game that was, but somebody brought up a bag of them. And I was like, I haven't had Twizzlers in a while and I haven't had Red Vines in a while. This is pretty good though. It's pretty yeah. good. Yeah, not bad. I know, you know, Emily doesn't agree, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bonus question. Yes. Will you have a play called Butler in your offense? Yes. <laughs> Going back yes. to those to the concepts that are stained. Yes. yes. Katie yeah. and I have said it's an archive, so we have to take it. You out. have to have so Butler in yep. the play, just not against St. Kate's, right? Correct. <laughs> yeah. We were talking about that. The, Katie actually, I think, asked yesterday. She's like, "Do you think when we play Don, he'll have some of the same plays?" I'm like, I'm "Probably." Not. Yeah. I'm guessing he probably would. Actually, I mean. throw Butler at him. See yes. if he can defend it. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Like you, this is you started this here. Throw a program, butler and a so. white cough at him and see if he can do it. Yeah, we don't actually run white cough anymore out of bounds play, but I d- I did and I played here at least with for Don. I don't think we kept it after that. Okay. So. <laughs> do you have a rapid fire you want to throw at her? I'll give you one. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is the one that I'm always, that, that says a lot about about the player to or the coach to me. Okay. Then the one mm-hmm. that you asked that you didn't ask this time. What would be the sandwich that would reflect you best? Like, what what sandwich. would be your dream sandwich? What would be a sa- what what would yeah, be what on would the be, sandwich named yeah. sandwich? after you? You're named after um, you. That's what it is. Sorry. Yes. So I'm just gonna go with my go to every single time I go to Subway Sub because that's all I do: chicken breast with cheese, lettuce, pickle, mayo, and the special ingredient: honey mustard. Mm. Yeah. That's interesting. So, interesting. Yeah. yeah okay. That's literally my go-to every single time. I love some of the answers um, we've gotten to that question. I know. Yeah. You know, yeah. But I – chicken breast is honestly what I go to at any sandwich place. Other than that, if they don't have it, just turkey. But then the same ingredients as well. So okay. I'm a huge honey mustard fan. It's the best dipping sauce ever. So <laughs> – You do that with your chicken fingers too? Like, yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Every single time. If they don't – if a restaurant or something doesn't have honey mustard, I change my mind on what I'm ordering to eat. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That I did not know. See, yes. like I've known her a long time and we've chatted a lot over the years. This yes. is stuff I did not know. Okay. Yes. Okay. So this is maybe I'll throw that out, throw that out in a pregame interview. That's why yeah. we do this. So tell me about the honey mustard moment. Yes. Of the game yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That's yep. why we do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Not, we know we've got uh, you've got better things to do and probably a practice to plan. So we'll yeah. we'll cut this one off here. Emily Carpenter, thanks for stopping by. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thanks for having me. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more of Out of the Swarm right after this. Orkers Island Inn is now hiring and there's a position just for you. Apply for front desk, housekeeper, bartender, server, cook, and dishwasher. We're hiring great people like you. Call or click for more information and apply today. Back for our final segment of Via the Swarm. We'll put the bow on episode number seven for this year and a good conversation with Head women's basketball coach Emily Carpenter as we make that transition now into talking about our winter sports a little bit more often. But, uh, you know, not a not a small task in front of her. No, no, it's a big one. Um, you know, you and I have watched it the last few couple of years. Uh, there's been a lot of frustration, um, not just, you know, with those of us who watch the program, but I think within the program as well. Um, and there really has been, and I use this term during, the you know, our, our, our talk, there's been a lot of splintering in the locker room. Well, hopefully the splintering will stop now. Right. Um, that's, I think, first and foremost, that's probably going to be maybe her toughest task is making sure everybody's on the same page. Right. Um, and she, I like the fact that she's the one that is 
in that spot because she really was the glue of the team her last three years, I'd say here, two or three years in. Mm-hmm. I mean, other players scored more, maybe got the ball more. Um, but Emily was very, very steady. She was a steady Eddie, I would say, in terms of her mindset and how she played. She was very consistent. Um, steady and the, Emmy. Yeah, steady Emmy. There you go. Yeah, exactly. But she uh, she really she really did hold that team together even when things were tough for them. Um, and you know she was definitely one of the one of the leaders of that squad. I mean, you know that her last couple of years it was her and Eva and right. you know Mercer Wees at a certain point. Uh, Hannah Norland was in there as well. But that was their their team, yep. and they kind of ran the show there. And won a lot of games doing it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, I think she's she's the right voice to kind of start putting the program back on track to where they want to be sure. and where they have been. Because um, I don't think anybody is thrilled with the way that they've played the last couple of years or no. the performance that they've had. Right. Um, especially when they look up and they see those those banners, you know, hanging mm-hmm. and those conference championships and those NCAA tournament invites and all that kind of stuff. Right. You know, I I don't think that they are necessarily fully you know understanding what their capability is or what that means per se right but i think that she's the right person to remind them too of where the program has been and that's the standard that we should have so in that regard i think she's perfect because she's been there she's done it she knows the program um you know she knows it inside out you know she knows it as well if not better than anybody else having been a part of it so mm-hmm. um you know wishing her bunch, uh, a lot of luck and i'm anxious to see uh, how uh, the winter season unfolds for them 100% agree still a couple weeks away from them getting started and uh, in the meantime we have fall sports that are wrapping up regular seasons this week we do we have uh, uh let's see i guess if you count them all up that's five teams in action this week um and all of them pretty much going for conference titles or playoff positioning here so yep uh, we'll get into it here. Of course, women's soccer, as we talked about in the first segment, already clinched the number one seed in the UMAC tournament, won their second straight regular season crown. They close out the regular season at home on Friday and Saturday against Morris and Crown, respectively, at the NBC Spartan Sports Complex. So if you got some time, check it out. 7 p.m. opening kicks both nights. I think the uh, game against Morris is senior night, and I think there's only one senior in the squad this year. No, the game against Crown. Is it Crown? Yep, Saturday's, okay. oh, crown, Saturday's match on both sides are the, uh, right. the senior okay. guys. And uh, that being Kenzie Olderking, I'm not sure if she's coming back or not. But anyway, uh, senior night for the women against Crown on Saturday night. That'll be a 7 p.m. kick, as will the game against Morris on Friday night. So if you get some time this weekend, check them out. Uh, Men's soccer also will be home playing those same two teams, Morris and Crown. Their kickoffs at NBC will be at 4.30 p.m. So 4.30 p.m. the men both nights, and then 7 p.m. the women both nights. So, Yep, the men with the opportunity to clinch. Yep. Um, we're As we record this on Wednesday – Bethany Lutheran and Northwestern play on the men's side today. They do. That'll be an interesting so game. I'll if, keep an eye on that you know, one. If Northwestern wins that, then if the Yellow Jackets win Friday, they will clinch. They will outright. clinch, yeah. But uh, men control their own destiny. If yes, they, they win do. both, they will be conference champions for the sixth straight year. Yep. So there you go. Volleyball, meanwhile, will look to clinch the number two overall seed. They're in the driver's seat big time Yeah. in that regard. It would take a couple of very, very – they would need to lose twice, yeah. and Morris would need to win twice, including the match over us on on Friday. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And then they, and even if they would have to sweep, and then it would have to yeah. be by a certain number yep. of points. And so there's there's so a they're, mathematical they're in pretty chance good position that they're they're right. going to be that two seed. But if they do win, because the women uh, women's volleyball plays at Crown and at Morris, if they win on Friday night against Crown, the women will clinch the number yes. two seed either way. So. Uh, they are on the road taking on Crown and Morris, if you <laughs> hadn't guessed by what we just said. Uh, and uh, on the road, uh, Wild Athletic Center on Friday night against Crown. And then Jim Grimmel's Court in Morris on Saturday, 6 p.m., the opening serve both nights there. So all three teams right now are going to probably be able, well, the women already have on the women on women's soccer, on that side of it anyway. Um, all three teams probably going to clinch home First round playoff game. Yeah, there's no, there's no doubt yeah. that I think they're all going to be at home. Yeah, you know, I think yeah. there's very little. It's it's a slim chance that something would happen where one of them is not home. Right. Yeah. So I mean, you're you're pretty safe bet that come November second when they get to the UMAC semifinals, um, all three of those teams will be playing in Superior. Correct. Correct. And then there's men's and women's cross country. This is the uh, big weekend for them. Both teams at the UMAC cross country championships that'll be also hosted by Crown at the Crown cross country course in Saint Bonifacius. On Saturday, women's race will kick it off at 12 p.m. while the men's race will follow up an hour later, starting at 1 p.m. And the men are favored 
or one of the favorites at least on uh, for the conference championship on mm-hmm. that side of it. And the women, I think, are probably going to be mid to upper side right. of the of the conference race as well. So, and I would imagine. Michael Butterfield probably uh, yeah he'll one be one of the, of the favorites, favorites on the men's side yeah he'll be one of the favorites uh, he ran really well apparently down yep. at uh, uh, at the interregional yep and Augustana had a chance to catch up with Glenn a little bit and, and kind of recap it in fact uh, the whole team both teams ran real well down yep. there so he's happy with where they're at uh, especially in the men's side he said they've done everything they need to do to be ready so um, yeah the Jackets going for another conference title would be number three of the fall right coming up on Saturday it's so. been a real strong fall for Yellow Jacket sports team it has so been, far yeah. and hopefully yeah. we have a couple more weeks in us yep 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 absolutely that'll do it for this week's episode for our production engineer Adam DeMuth for the Big Sound Matt Johnson I am John Garber and thank you for listening to Eye of the Swarm